It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. After my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash getmore. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. You can follow me on Twitter at James Erpine. It is preview day. We're going to preview Patriots Bengals in Foxborough this weekend, this Sunday. So much to talk about. Are the Bengals going to be able to stop Tom Brady? Can they? Will they? Can they get to 3-3, three and three or will they drop the 2-4 and four and really be in trouble? There's so much to talk about, and it's something I'm happy to do this. I'm excited because if you're familiar with my work, then you're probably familiar with his. Every week on 700 WLW and ESPN 1530, I have Joe on to do our weekly Bengals film review. We do that the day after every Bengals game. Well, now Joe is happily agreed to do a weekly Bengals preview every week right here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. He joins us now. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate you coming on. How in the world are the ba- is the Bengals defense going to contain Tom Brady and all of his weapons that he has on that offense? Uh, they're going to have to get lucky. Uh, <laughs> I think anytime you play the Patriots, I, I don't think you go in thinking you're going to win. I mean, this is a team that wins most of their games for the past 15 years. They're probably the most consistent team in the NFL. Even without Brady, they found a way to go 3-1. and one. Uh, I think you maybe get pressure up the middle with Atkins. Maybe you get a tip ball or an interception. If you watch the Browns game with, with when Brady just came back the past week, they actually got their hands on about four passes that could have been intercepted. Uh, there were opportunities. Brady was a little rusty. Even though he made a few really nice throws, overall you could tell he hasn't played in a while and he hasn't been with the team in a while. So is there a chance? I think that's the, the glimmer of hope is that maybe there's a little bit of rust. Maybe he's a little bit too amped up, even though – Seems like Brady is cool all the time. But, uh, yeah, if there's a little bit of hope, it's that he could have been maybe beaten by a better team last week than the Browns. And you, I look at this offense, and it's funny. They they released Brandon LaFell in the offseason, and they replaced him essentially with Chris Hogan. But yeah. Chris Hogan is probably the fourth or fifth option on that offense, and they consider him an upgrade from Brandon LaFell, which right now is the Bengals' second option at wide receiver. Yeah, that's pretty telling, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> just from a Bengals perspective, they went from, and we've probably talked about this every week, we know probably people are getting tired of, of saying, yeah, that they don't have Sanu and Marvin Jones and Eifer right now, so of course the offense is struggling. But, you know, the efforts made and the players they 
they added in it to replace those two guys just haven't been uh, up to par, really. You know, and when you think of the Patriots, just to plug in Chris Hogan, who really the Buffalo didn't want to keep, and Buffalo really doesn't have a receiver outside of Watkins. So it kind of makes you think, is it just the Patriots scheme that make guys, makes guys look better? Or did they really feel Hogan? Because Hogan is pretty quick and pretty, and he does have deep speed. He's getting deep against guys. Was that the key? Is they just wanted someone who can get vertical? Because obviously we've seen from LaFell, he's not getting vertical. That, that is something the offense is lacking. That's something he's always lacked. So uh, they could see it as an upgrade from that standpoint. And maybe LaFell is a better all-around player, we would hope. Uh, he hasn't proven that, I don't think, even though coming off of his best game. Uh, I can see why the Patriots think Hogan would be an upgrade. You're listening to our Patriots-Bengals preview right here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. Joe Goodberry joins us every week to preview Sunday's, the upcoming game. Joe, how in the world is this Bengals offense that struggled to score in Dallas next or last week going to put up points and score against this Patriots defense on Sunday. After reviewing the game and watching the coaches tape, and I posted a few things online on Twitter especially, uh, you know, I really thought the run game was in line for a really big week against Dallas. I thought Giovanni Bernard was playing really well. It was very limited, but those first two drives, you could tell they wanted to run the ball. And I think the plan was to lean on Bernard heavily and run more out of three wide receiver sets and, you know, put your athletic guys at, at tight end and run with them rather than Ryan Hewitt. Um, so I, I think the plan was to lean on the run game behind Giovanni Bernard. If that's the plan going forward, I feel much more confident in this run game than, than what we've seen out of Jeremy Hill really out of the past season and a half, it feels like. So, uh, you know, if that's the plan, maybe that's what sparks this offense. Uh, I think they need to find ways to get the ball to Tyler Boyd. He was open a lot last week. He's getting open more and more every single week. The ball is not getting thrown to him consistently. The looks aren't going to him consistently. I think that's a problem. I think, you know, if they find a way to push the ball downfield, stay a little more patient in the pocket, watch guys develop downfield, buy time in the pocket if you can. Guys are getting open. You know, at first I was kind of concerned with them beating man coverage, and that's still an issue. Guys were open a little bit more last week than I actually thought. And once, I, once the coaches' film came out, uh, I, I really had a little bit more hope for this offense that they can figure it out. Whatever the case may be, if it's going to be a passing offense, running offense, whatever, they need to be good at something. Right now they're not good at anything. Even though A.J. Green is fantastic, we know that they're not even good at getting him the ball. Uh, they're not good at moving him around. We're not seeing him in the slot enough. We're not seeing him in motion enough. Uh, they need to get creative and get him the ball. Watching the Patriots on, on defense, uh, their defensive line can really bring the pressure. Jabal Sheard versus Cedric Abwehi on the right oh. side there is very, very scary. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to give him a tough time. I think Jabal Sheard is probably one of the best defensive ends in the AFC. And, you know, I watch defensive ends every week for Bleacher Report. He looks really good, and he's just beating guys. And then, then they rotate guys like Trey Flowers, uh, Chris Long, and they just got back Rob Nikovich. They're deep and pass rushers. Uh, it's a scary thing for the Bengals to, to go against this defense. This Patriots defense has looked really good. They've gotten beat, uh, especially in the red zone, and some jump ball receivers against big receivers. Uh, and they won well, versus Terrell Pryor. They shaded a safety against Pryor. It was pretty amazing, you know, not to get off subject and talk about the Browns for a second, but it's pretty amazing the attention Terrell Pryor is commanding at wide receiver right now. And the Patriots gave him full attention. So I 
think the, they're going to do the same thing for A.J. Green. Uh, and, and it's going to be up to somebody else to step up. Uh, you know, Eifert hasn't practiced again. Doesn't look like he probably plays this week. It's got to be LaFell and Boyd and Giovanni Bernard that carries this offense. Yeah, I know what Bill's going to do, and it sounds crazy, but you know Belichick. What he's going to do is say, all right, we're going to double A.J. Someone else beat us, and I don't know if anyone can. One idea I had, and I'm not the first to have it, I know plenty of Bengals fans have mentioned it, Giovanni Bernard. Is there any way Jeremy Hill in the backfield, Giovanni Bernard in the slot, could that help at all based on what you've seen from the Patriots' defense and what you've seen from the Bengals' offense? I, a lot of people ask about this, too. Why don't the Bengals use both running backs at the same time? Uh, I, and I think it's an interesting question because, obviously, their depth isn't at wide receiver this year. So, you know, we know Bernard can do some damage as a receiver. Uh, can he move around? Can we do different things with him? Uh, I think it works uh, to an extent. You don't see many teams use two running backs often. Uh, the Bengals tried a little bit with Rex Burkhead last year, but he really practiced – for the most part, at receiver. So I think it confused defenses when they would see Burkhead in in the huddle, they would send a linebacker out to cover them. And then when he splits out wide, defenses couldn't react. I think you can only use it sparingly, if at all. But I would like to see a package put in with Bernard and Hill, even if it only works for a few plays or a game or two until defenses start treating him as a wide receiver. Because once they treat him as a wide receiver, it's not an advantage anymore. Uh, he's not going to beat corners. You know, he'll beat safeties and linebackers. So it may only work this week, next week, or for a few plays, but I would like to see it. And we, I think everybody would welcome some creativity on offense right now. I think it's something the Bengals are really lacking. And, Joe, the, the offensive line has been a, a, a certainly a talking point in Cincinnati. Russell Bodine, there's one thing that you wanted to talk about. I know a lot of listeners and fans have asked you about. He has a little head nod or twitch that he does every time right before he snaps the ball. Kind of explain that and, and let everybody know what that is. Yeah, a lot of people were asking. A lot of people were posting pictures and videos, and I even put one on, on Twitter. And, and basically what he was doing, what we could see was uh, – when teams are away, they use a silent count, okay? You're expecting crowd noise. You expect to not be able to communicate with everyone, especially especially when the snap's going to be. So uh, traditional offense is what you think of in shotgun and back in the day growing up. The quarterback lifts his leg. The center's looking between his legs. When the quarterback lifts his leg, he looks up, he snaps the ball. It's kind of changed because centers make so many protection calls now. They want the center's eyes up all the time. So what we see instead, and the Bengals are really one of the first teams to do this. Uh, a few years ago, I remember people were complaining because the guard was tapping the center, telling the center when to snap the ball. Uh, like, isn't that a key to give it away, to give it away to the defense that when you're going to snap it? Yeah, it probably was. So now we've seen it evolve even further than that. And what it is is the center of uh, the guard is, snap it, is, is telling the center when to snap the ball. But instead of giving the defense the advantage of getting a good jump what he's doing now is he's giving a key to the rest of the offense of when he's going to snap it. So it, it, in this case, and they've tried to switch it up every week. It's been a variation, whether he puts his head up or down, whether he whips it left or right, whatever the case may be. Uh, this last week it was very blatant because it was, a very, it was the, the head whip and then the snap was almost right after one after another. So it really uh, – the idea is to keep the offense uh, snapping at the same time. Yeah. Without that key – your receivers are going to be slow off the line. So they're going to be late, you know, because you, when you're in a silent count, everyone's looking inside to the ball and at the center. When he snaps it, they react. But if they know when he's going to snap it, it allows them to keep the same advantage that the defense does. 
So, yes, the defense may get better jumps, but at the same time, your receivers are on time, your tackles know when the ball is going to be snapped, so they're not always at a disadvantage. I do think it burned them a few times last week when the uh, Cowboys defensive ends were really teeing off when they knew the Bengals were passing. But overall, it's a good thing. It's meant to keep the offense on time and keep everyone on the same page. They're trying to switch it up every week. If you go back a few weeks, uh, I think it was the Steelers game and the Dolphins game. On their first drive, they got they got the Steelers and Dolphins to jump off sides. And it was because of that. They, they showed the, the previous week's twitch, and the defense jumped off sides. So uh, it may only work for one play like that in, in a positive way. And I know it looks frustrating and looks like you're giving the defense a, a jump on the ball. And they probably are, but it keeps the offense on time. So ultimately it's a good thing, and it's a whole lot of Twitter videos and stuff, but really it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it, it's from the coaches. It's not all on Bodie, and I heard a lot of people say, well, why is he doing that? Why is Bodie doing this? It's the coaches are telling him to do it. Gotcha. I gotcha. Joe, let, let's real quick while I gotcha, you've been great with your time. Let's look ahead here. The formula to winning. To me, naturally, you're going up against a Hall of Fame quarterback. If you can run the ball, that'll be important. Keep him on the sidelines. And the other thing is feed A.J. Green. I know, and we've talked about it, they're probably going to double A.J. Green is there any way you could see them running the ball effectively against the talented New England linebackers in front seven? That's going to be tough. I mean, considering they haven't been able to consistently run the ball, and the only time you really felt like they could, uh, you know, that first drive against the Broncos, after that they averaged about three yards a carry. And then against the, against the Cowboys, the game was so out of hand they couldn't stay with it. But that was probably their best glimpse of a running game. Uh, but, again, that was against probably the worst front seven they played all year and probably will play all year. So, at the same time, I don't know. You know, I think Malcolm Brown, their, their nose tackle they drafted last year, defensive tackle the Patriots drafted, uh, he's really progressed. He looks pretty good as a, as a second-year lineman. Uh, yeah, their linebackers are thumpers. They're run-stuffers. They, they'll be fine. Jimmy Collins is so athletic. Odin trying to block him might be pretty comical at times, especially in the second level. Uh I don't know if that's the game plan. I mean, I, know, I think they would want to run the ball, limit Brady's chances. They don't want to get into a shootout. But at the same time, this game may come down to uh, hopefully trying to get Green open and getting Green the ball 12 times a game. I think that's probably their best chance to survive. Uh, the way Brady played last week, he gave the Browns a lot of chances to make interceptions. I'll take that same game from Brady and – you know, roll the dice again, and hopefully this defense can come up with a turnover or a stop or make a big play, and it could end up being the de- the difference in the game. I don't think the Bengals are winning it on offense. I think it's going to be the Bengals' defense. They're nine-point underdogs. Do you think they have a shot? Do you think they win this Sunday? Yeah, I didn't know they're nine-point underdogs. Just hearing that it kind of sets you back <laughs> a minute, like, whoo. It's <laughs> a lot, man. But, yeah, it, that's a, a significant uh, spread there. I don't think they win. Uh, all the numbers, all the metrics, uh, the feeling you get, uh, you know, just where this, this team is right now compared to where the Patriots are right now. No, I don't think they win. I think they're sitting at 2-4 and four after this week, and we're, who they need to replace. You know, does Jake Fisher need to get the play? Uh, does Nick Vigil need to get time? Uh, you know, does Deshaun Williams finally get active? I don't know. You know, someone has to find ways to play at, at different spots or something. If they win, we re-spark the entire season and we go from there thinking of this team in a different light. So it's it's going to shape the rest of the year. I don't think they win, though. Yeah, me neither. I think it's a big game. You're right. A win would do 
wonders, but I, I think yeah. if you lose to a rookie quarterback in a basic scheme last week, you're going against one of the most complex offenses. I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I completely agree, and you're right about the basic scheme from the Cowboys. They really didn't do anything crazy. They had a couple of plays that were really nice, especially like that Zeke Elliott long 70-yard touchdown. They kind of put Witten out on a pass route and, and sucked uh, Perfect and Iloka out of there. That's something you don't see every day. That's a play they had ready to kind of uh, trick the middle of our defense, and uh, the Patriots will have about 10 more of those. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet. So, Joe, I appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll talk about it next week, early next week, in our weekly film review, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, James. I'll talk to you next week. That's Joe Goodberry. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Great stuff from him. As always, you'll get him every single week, the Thursday before the Bengals game, as we preview the upcoming week. It's a big week for the Bengals. It could change the season if they're able to pull off the upset Tomorrow, if I haven't hinted at it already all week, you'll get my prediction. You're also going to hear from the man himself, Andy Dalton, Marvin Lewis, and so much more on this very podcast. It's the Locked on Bengals podcast. You're going to get audio, insight, and info that you don't get elsewhere. Exclusive one-on-one interviews from me. You got one yesterday with Vinny Ray. He talked about the linebackers and what they need to do and how effective they are going to have to be against the Gronkowskis and against LeGarrette Blunt and all of the weapons that New England has. That's what you get here at Locked on Bengals. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, share it with everybody you know, every Bengals fan you know. It's a must, and I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that sparingly. I think if I wasn't doing the show, I would subscribe to it because I'm a Bengals fan. And all Bengals fans should check it out. We're growing every day, growing by the minute, by the second. And it's all thanks to you. I appreciate you listening. I'm James Rapine. And until tomorrow, appreciate you listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason. Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.